Hey listeners, just before we start, this one does have a bit of a language warning because of the title, which you've probably gathered already. So if you're listening to this in the car with your kids, maybe time to skip and put this one on your headphones instead for later. Welcome back to another episode of Steph's Business Bookshelf and this number 25. We are a quarter of a century of episodes or something like that. Keep listening to find out why everything is fucked and why you need to give up hope. You're listening to Steph's Business Bookshelf, doing the reading so you don't have to. Welcome back and it's good to be back. I've just got back from a week in Bali where I spent the whole week reading. You can check out my LinkedIn and Instagram where I've been talking about the books I was reading whilst I was away and it was just fantastic to take four whole days out, so it wasn't quite a week I realise, four whole days out just to read and just lay around, do some yoga, go to the gym, eat a lot of nasi goreng and think gave me lots of good ideas to play with for the rest of the year, particularly over the next few months. I start to put some new programs together in the culture work and team transformation work that I do. So I'm looking forward to sharing more about that on social media and in other channels. Make sure you give me a follow. Links are in the show notes if we aren't already connected. One of the books I read whilst I was away was this one by Mark Manson, Everything is Fucked. And yes, sorry, I probably will be dropping the F-bomb a couple of times throughout the episode but I'll try to keep it to a minimum for your delicate ears. I'll be talking a little bit more about what I thought of the book as we go through the episode, but without further ado, let's go in to learn a little bit about the author and the book before I go into the three big ideas. Mark Manson grew up in Austin, Texas. He went to school and lived in Boston and graduated from Boston University in 2007. A couple of years later, he started an online business, the earliest form of his blog, and travelled and lived all over the world for about seven years. You can find out more about that in his first book, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck, which I definitely recommend. He ended up marrying a Brazilian and now lives in New York City. Mark believes we're all wrong about everything, some just a little less wrong than others. Everything sucks some of the time, and that's okay. Happiness is learning how to appreciate the struggles in your life. There are more stars in the universe than grains of sand on the planet. You couldn't be special even if you wanted to be. So stop trying to prove yourself all the time. Trying to prove something to yourself and others is at the root of most misery. And that's pretty much in keeping with the theme of most of Mark's writing. About the book. In Everything Is Fucked, Manson turns his gaze from the inevitable flaws within each individual self to the endless calamities taking place in the world around us. Drawing on mountains of psychological research, as well as the timeless wisdom of philosophers such as Plato and Nietzsche, He dissects religion and politics and the uncomfortable ways they have come to resemble one another. He looks at our relationships with money, entertainment and the internet, and how too much of a good thing can psychologically eat us alive. He openly defines our definitions of faith, happiness, freedom and even of hope itself. Both of those extracts were taken from Mark's website, which is the home of his blog and his other writing. Recommend checking it out, link is in the show notes. So let's dive into the three big ideas I took from the book, Everything is Fucked by Mark Manson. Big idea number one is that the feeling brain is in charge, whether you like it or not. Mark talks about the popular theory of the two brains. So you have a thinking brain and a feeling brain, and that both of those are driving the consciousness car, which is a metaphor I quite liked that runs throughout the book. We kid ourselves a lot of the time that the thinking brain is in charge. But more often than not, the thinking brain is backwards rationalising what the feeling brain has decided we're going to be doing. Now, of course, sometimes the feeling brain hijacks the car and throws the thinking brain in the boot or in the trunk, probably tied up at the same time. 
which creates all sorts of problems in society, workplaces, relationships, from health decisions to addictions to outright war. This is where things like ego get in the way. This is where things like impulses and short-termism tend to take over because our feeling brain is looking for those instant wins and those hits of dopamine and, and feeling. And either to avoid pain or to maximise pleasure, or sometimes a little bit of both. There was an interesting study in the book, uh, long story short, Guy has a brain tumour, has the brain tumour removed, and they kind of accidentally give him a lobotomy at the same time as removing the tumour. So good times because he's alive, bad times because he now has no emotion or empathy. So whilst there are a number of people who tell themselves or kid themselves that it's only their thinking brain that works and they put their feelings away, that isn't actually true because in this particular subject with Elliot, in inverted commas, he didn't do anything. He basically just existed because his feeling brain was all gone. This is what gets removed when you have a lobotomy. What that meant is that nothing mattered anymore. Even though his IQ and his functional capability from a intelligence perspective was the same as before he had the operation his ability to prioritize and to make good decisions so for example he missed a meeting with investors because he went to the shop to buy a stapler for two hours he missed birthday parties his kids sports games all these different things because nothing mattered he was a bit of a shell of the man he once was so the feeling brain really drives the consciousness car because we're only moved to action by emotion We need to feel that something is important or necessary, which is through emotion, which is through feeling. Even if we're telling ourselves that, oh, it's because I think that that's the right thing to do. The only reason you think it's the right thing to do is because you're feeling something. What Mark talks about in the book is the need for the thinking and feeling brain to actually just become better aligned, for them to have a conversation with each other sometimes. So when you recognize that the feeling brain is taking over, you're diving for the biscuit tin or you're avoiding going and doing something you know you should or need to go and do. Asking the feeling brain, what's going on here? What is driving this need that is quite strong and not letting the thinking brain go, oh, well, actually, maybe I deserve the biscuits because I worked out today or doing all of these things. Actually asking the thinking brain to interrogate the feeling brain a little bit more and coax it maybe into some better decisions. So having them working in tune with each other is much more effective. But the important part is really knowing that the feeling brain is in charge. It is driving the car, but the thinking brain is holding the map. So that's big idea number one. The feeling brain is in charge, whether you like it or not. Big idea number two is that everyone is religious. Now, at first I bristled at that idea. I thought, no, I'm I'm an atheist. I don't consider myself a religious person. I'm not religious. But reading the book, you realize that actually everyone is religious. Now, it might not be for a particular god or religion, but we have a particular way of deifying things that either we don't understand or that we hold to be true. Even science is a religion of sorts. All of these different parts of our lives, be it school, work. Sports is an excellent example of what is considered a religion. University, families, relationships, all have rituals, beliefs, faiths, clothes. We wear certain things for different occasions. Even those things, when you boil it down, it's the same underpinning as religions. So it's a, quite an entertaining chapter in the book about how to start a cult or a religion, which you can start to see as you read this, oh no, actually I'm part of a few different religions slash cults. When you understand this and you start to look at different situations in this way, that actually we're applying religious type behavior in different parts of our lives, it does start to make you challenge and critically assess a few of the things you do or don't do in a different way. 
for me, I found this, this bit particularly interesting around a work perspective and some of the rituals and things we buy into and the faith we sometimes have in employers to do the right thing and to look after us in the same way as people do with a God or a religion. So start to look out for some of these little signs in your own life, in your daily life, in your daily routine of religious type behavior. So big idea number two, everyone is religious. Big idea number three is machines are better people than people. We often attribute human flaws to machines, for example, good and evil. And there's obviously a lot of conversation at the moment around, will the machines kill us all off? Will the machines, will AI take over? Is it gonna be good? Is it gonna be evil? But the problem we've got here, which is what Mark is setting out in the book, is that we're attributing these human flaws and emotions to machines, which isn't necessarily the case. Because AI is so incredible and already it's doing incredible things and learning faster than we thought, even at this stage. So the chances are that AI will actually be able to read and learn all the things that have and haven't worked for humans and will solve big problems like climate change and food poverty by applying cleaner and cleverer logic than we are because it won't get mixed up with human emotions and human flaws. So we can't just assume that machines will work in the same way and with the same problems as humans have. I found this chapter really interesting and quite exciting. I find the idea of machines taking over and, and everything quite exciting. And you can already see when there's, again, some examples in the book that we're already doing that. A lot of us, particularly those who are running businesses and are using things like social media, you see sometimes when an algorithm changes and everyone's up in arms because, oh, this will change my strategy and all of these kind of things. People are already slaves to the, to the AI and to the machine because the machine is learning and doing things differently and changing the goalposts. There were some really cool examples in the book of how AI could be applied in the future. For example, if someone dies, maybe they will actually live on because the machines will learn how they talk, how they communicate. So you could still keep on communicating with someone even after they've physically left the world. Now, a bit of a spoiler alert, but this is what the book is kind of getting towards. So whilst the first couple of sections are all around humans and how we're flawed and the what logic we apply to things and how things are better today than they have ever, ever been, but because we've become quite fragile, we've stopped being able to see things rationally. So we're too busy looking for tiny flecks of imperfection or of problems in a world that is actually pretty damn good. And you'll see that in your own life as well. When things are a bit too good, you just look for small things to annoy you. And you'll see that sometimes with things like hashtag first world problems and all the rest. We're looking for things that don't really make sense to get upset about, but we're getting upset about anyway. The last part of the book then is about the future and provided no one gets nuked and the world doesn't implode because of the humans beforehand, the future is quite exciting, but it's a world beyond hope because hope, Mark argues, is a bit of a curse. <clears throat> so that was big idea number three, machines are better people than people. A couple of points on the book. I enjoyed the book, however, I found it quite confusing and I was on Twitter last week and I was looking at some of the commentary and some of the tweets that people were sending Mark and it seems like this was not uncommon so I found the book not just not that it took a while to get into but it took a while to understand what is the point and all the way through I was thinking about obviously the podcast and the notes I was going to make and I was thinking where is this going because at times it felt like just a big rant and a cohesive rant and a, a well-formed rant but a rant nonetheless now that is Mark's writing style and if you've read some of his other book or other articles you'll you'll see that in in the writing Having now come through the other side and finished the book, I would say to stick with it because, and that it is worth reading because he makes some very interesting points, shares some other interesting opinions and studies, etc., which start to make you think or rethink 
elements of your life that are working and not working and why that might be the case. Looking at individuals, organizations, places you work, all of those different things and where some of the problems might be sourced from. So there we go, that was Everything is Fucked by Mark Manson. Three big ideas I took from the book, just to recap, are number one, the, your feeling brain is in charge whether you like it or not. Big idea number two, everyone is religious. And big idea number three, machines are better people than people. If you've read the book already, let me know. I'd love to hear what you thought. I know this is a hot reading one for people at the moment, given it's only just been released. Mark is actually coming and speaking in Australia for those who are here in Australia with Business Chicks in July. Unfortunately, he's timed it when I'm in the UK. Very inconvenient of him. But if you are interested in that and learning more about his thoughts on these things, recommend grabbing a ticket. I'll chuck a link in the show notes for you. He's also doing a tour in other countries too. Again, I'll put the link to that in the show notes. Like I said, I'd love to hear what you think. You can contact me on Instagram, LinkedIn, or just over email. All the links are in the show notes. And of course, if you aren't already, join us in the Facebook group, Steph's Business Bookshelf Book Club, where you can share your thoughts on this book and any others. But otherwise, until next time, happy reading. Thank you.